You'll never have heard your favourite artists talk about their music the way they do for us at the Sound of Pen podcast. By looking at the themes and ideas within their own amazing music, the best songwriters in the world open doorways that will lead to a deeper understanding of your A-level and GCSE English texts. First up, the lovely Lucas Woodland, frontman of the brilliant Holding Absence. You know, I know it sounds stupid because everybody did, you know, but I really did get into music when I was kind of in school, you know, and, and I always felt a bit weird for liking cool music, you know, so I think like, Ironically, we had an art teacher who, who played Death Magnetic the, the week that it came out. And, um, <laughs> and that was the beginning of the end for, for me and my first band, you know, so yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. That's so cool. In fact, as, uh, that was kind of where I was going to later. But actually, as we're on that on that road, let's, can we, let's start there. In, in terms of your kind of relationship with the artists that you love or the artists that along the road have kind of moved you in one way or another, can you think of particular artists that have given you... I've shared a message with you that you've kind of taken on board and felt, you know, is important to your life and, and your way of going about things. Yeah, I think for me, you know, uh, My Chemical Romance were the first because of, you know, where I was as a as a kind of adolescent growing into a teen, you know, and feeling a bit uh, misunderstood and, and a bit alone, I guess, you know, My Chem kind of came through for me. And, and I think they really showed me that, like, it's OK to be a little bit different. It's OK to to be really different if you want, you know, it's, it's very much about embracing yourself, you know, on, on the most bombastic or also, I guess, the most kind of introspective, like sensitive version of yourself. You know, th those songs, I think, really either made me feel like I could climb a mountain or I should, I could sit in my bedroom and cry all day. And both of those things were totally <laughs> fine, you know, so yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think that that idea to kind of like, I guess, uh, believe in who you are and 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 trust in trust in your own feelings is is really significant. You're, I loved, and uh, you know, when when back way back years, whatever, I would I would have claimed to have been. I'm, I'm switching course a little bit here, but I would have <laughs> I would have been claimed to be one of those people who would never kind of reject the 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 album right i would always be at the record shop and i would be getting the yeah. album and of course, as time has gone on i say of course i think of course i think you know most people have kind of you know given Tom them a Morgan. little bit despite their best principles or whatever you know I, I turn spotify on and i use it and i and i and, and i love it because i feel like it gives me access to a zillion things i would never normally have come across so there's you know there's benefits for both but my point is this even in my kind of at my age and having listened to sort of have a many million things i find myself now doing what they say people do with music and i fly through it zoom 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 yeah, yeah. for sure and and why i was so keen to get hold of you yours was the first record this year i've loved records there's been great music out but yours was the first record that made me stop and just absolutely i knew immediately that i wanted to I was going to have to revisit this album again and again and again, and that it really just pulled me absolutely in. And 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 I'm and I'm on that journey still. I'm listening to it every awesome. day, <laughs> enjoying it. What what and it made that impact immediately. What what was the what was the idea behind behind starting with that? I'm alive statement. I'm alive. Basically, we've been a band for for a few years now, and um, and we we put out a lot of music. You know, we we did six, I, I guess, six songs before our debut. You know, so by the time this kind of came about, we were looking at like we had like twenty songs out there. You know, um, and and I think I got to the point where I realised that I was maybe 
not so much saying the same thing over and over again, but I maybe wasn't acknowledging that, you know, uh, coming from the standpoint of somebody who tries to write emotional music, that is generally the, the kind of the base level of what I try and do is like, if I feel it or I can feel it or I have felt it, or I think other people can feel it. It's all about the feeling, you know? And then I realized, I was like, hang on, I've literally just completely turned a blind eye to the the power of hope and, and the beauty of happiness and, and the, the contextual depth of happiness as well. Because, you know, from where I'm stood, you know, happiness feels like a little bit more of a special kind of treat because, you know, I'm not one of those people who's got this constant positive um, like fortune in life where I'm always happy. You know, I think when I am happy, I I'm, I'm grateful for it because I'm, it's a bit more, uh, do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's a bit less of a, a day to day kind of thing for me. Yeah, you yeah, know? Sure. Um, and, and I think just what, how, how do you start an album like without grabbing someone's attention? You know, that's the point is, is to, is to just kind of give them this big, uh you know moment i guess you know and i i think ironically it does come after about a minute plus with the big build-up but obviously i think that's contextual but but yeah so for me it was kind of like i like to sing about powerful emotions and what is a more powerful emotion than celebrating life basically so uh so yeah so yeah <laughs> and and the fact that you do contextualize it in, and frame it alongside that existential dread you talk about yeah that makes it more powerful in a sense. You know, it's like you're saying it's, it's the light against the darkness rather For than- For sure, yeah. It's basically, you know, when you look at that song on, on a structural level, I guess the verses are me acknowledging and shining a light on the hardships I feel like I've gone through in my life, you know, and the things that I felt in my life. And then the chorus is just an exclamation of, but right this moment in time, I am happy to be alive. And and like you said, that existential dread, you know, like, and that, you know, the, um, I've been so hurt for so long, that lyric chanting for literally a minute, it's this constant reminder to the listener to be, that this is context that makes the I'm alive so important in that song, I think. Yeah, it's a, be it's a beautiful moment. Um, and I look forward to, to seeing it on stage. It's going to be- Same, I, I can't wait to do it on stage. I bet you can't. You must be absolutely itching. <laughs> yeah, dude. We've got like a whole part of our course at school is around love. And your album seems, there's a lot of kind of love swirling around. Can I focus on a few moments within a few songs? I want to get yeah, to- Yeah, yeah, go for it. I probably want to get to Afterlife and In Circles in a bit more detail in a moment. Cool. But if, start with Curse Me With Your Kiss. I, I guess what I'm asking you, over the course of, because there, there, there won't be a short answer to this. If I ask you the question, what do you think love is? I'm sure it's kind of multi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I'm just going to ask you about particular moments. And in that moment, what ideas of love do you think you're exploring? So, I mean, just that word curse really. So the, the line, I let you curse me with your, with your kiss. What are you exploring about love in that, in that moment? Yeah, something that I, I tend to do quite a lot with my lyric is like just a, a simple package of like an oxymoron of, of like, you know, like we had a song called Your Love Has Ruined My Life. We've got a song called Die Alone In Your Lover's Arms. And I guess curse me with your kiss. You know, it's like there is this sense of duality in that sentence. And, and like, I think basically, you know, the, the crux of that song is kind of wishing that you hadn't fallen in love with this person because you, you're not you're not over this person you'll never be over this person and you'll probably never be able to be with this person again anyway you know and and i think this that song and, and it was contextual to the album in the sense that i wanted the album to feel like a very spanning 
life of, of, you know, like I wanted it to touch every corner of, of, of life, you know, and the concept of when I get to the pearly gates is the opening line. And, and like, it kind of says like, even when I'm long gone on my way to heaven, I'm still going to be thinking of you. And, and I guess curse me with your kiss, you know, kind of as a, as a line kind of says like, and I think the interesting thing as well is a little tag before it that I let you curse me with your kiss. You know, right. it's, it's like, I embraced you and here, here I am <laughs> under your spell, you know, and a million miles away, you know? So just to revisit something you, you, you something you said, do, do, do you feel then that in, in, in the long run, the exercise was pointless, purposeless? You know, I guess in, in life, I, I, I think actually, you know, a big lesson that we try, I tried to portray on this album is no lesson is pointless. Every lesson is something to learn from and everything that you do, be it a success or a failure, is something to learn from. Uh, and that is, you know, back to morning song and celebration song, that is looking at the context of life and death. Um, celebration song is about being depressed for so many days of your life that you learn to be happy. And then morning song is about losing somebody in your life and learning to value your life because of that. So I guess as a, as a grander kind of thing, you know, I, I very much embrace negative choice on this album really because you learn from those things right okay that's really really interesting no more no more roses uh i've waited all my life to see this holy light i mean this song feels incredibly emotionally complex so it may yeah. be maybe very difficult to to synthesize and it might not even be love that you are are talking about i just wondered about that holy light when you when you had that holy light image what are you what are you conjuring So No More Roses is essentially about my relationship with, with God, you know, and, and the concept that um, I wish I believed in a God, but in all my life, I've never been given, I guess, a reason. I, I guess, you know, I've never been given uh, like a moment of clarity that made me believe is essentially. And that song is kind of about being angry at God for having all this power and using absolutely none of it to convince me that he even exists in the first place, you know? And like you said, you know, I, I've waited all my life to see this holy light, but you're smothering my eyes. I want to see it. I want to feel it. It's this idea that like God himself might be the light, but he himself is covering my eyes. So I can't see him anyway, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, that song is a, is a lot. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of depth in that song. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's, it's, it just, as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking this couldn't be a more, a more perfect kind of conversation. You're just, you, you are, you're using words like duality. You're talking about this relationship with religion, which I think is not explicit in many kind of conversations yep. um, these days, you know, and yet yep. in class, we spend a lot of the time exploring kind of the Victorians and the, Eliz and the Elizabethans and Shakespeare and their relationship yep. with religion, which would have also been, you know, um, fuzzy in, mm. in in many ways because of course as you say god isn't why is why is god not here why is he not why is he not guiding me in this kind of way so it just it's just this the the, the threads that i talked about when we first picked up this this conversation are so uh, are just showing themselves and it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing for me to hear um i'm gonna go to beyond belief you've got um you've got infinity uh and you offer it to me and you offer it to me 
I wondered, um, you know, you don't need to delve too deep into personal details if that is not something that you kind of, you know, if you want to leave it to interpretation, you know, you'll have your own kind of viewpoints on that. But that concept, what do you mean by infinity? And I guess, who's the you? If not necessarily a specific person, who, who, who would the you be to someone? And what's the infinity? So Beyond Belief is essentially a song about, um, it, it is a song about love, um, but it's a, a song about fearing love. It, it's, it's a song that says, if I go out with this person today, I might go out with that person again. I might get engaged to that person. I might marry that person. I might live with that person forever. And I might, and, and basically it pairs up very, I, you might have noticed, but it pairs up really well with Die Alone in the context that, Die Alone is about realizing on your deathbed that the person you loved wasn't right for you. Beyond Belief is at the foot of the mountain, being scared of climbing it in case that happens, you know? And uh -huh, okay. you've, got, you've got Infinity and you offer it to me is essentially a line that says, you might be this portal to everything in my life, uh, including Infinity, including death and the afterlife, you know, this, I might be with you forever and, and you're offering that to me. Um, and then the, the line afterwards, but is your hell up above and your heaven below? That, once again, is kind of looking at uh, a religious metaphor that say, it says, you know, wh when we look at religion, we, we view heaven as good and up and we view hell as bad and down, you know? And it's very like, it's a, such an obvious staple of our perception of, of good and bad in life. But what if your hell is above and your heaven is below? And what if I find out that you believe in something inherently different to me at the end of my life. And, and you know, essentially it, it looks at this, this is the key to a door and I might go in there and I might never come out and, I, and I'm scared <laughs> of that, I guess, you know. We, if we talk about hell, we think of it as down and we think yeah. of heaven as up. Yeah. So if we reverse that. That doesn't mean it's wrong or right though. Or... It just means our perception is different. I th and I, I think that's why I was trying to portray with that lyric is like, what if you're, perception of something is so it doesn't you know it doesn't need to be heaven or hell like it 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 just needs to be what well, you know i mean what you know what if you fell in love with somebody who was just a racist or like you know or something stupid like that i'd be like yeah. oh man like you know that is that would obviously suck because it's like that's a that's one thing i guess in, in a long list of positives that negative might be enough for you to not be able to love that person so i guess yeah that that line is just basically my way of saying what if we have an inherent yeah, yeah. Disagreement at some point where you know where I can't live with what I've kind of signed up for, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's really, really powerful. Phantoms. The idea of I really like this idea of, of and uh, we talk a lot about appearance versus reality and and the idea of, of this individual being handsome even with his back turned, yeah. I felt was quite interesting. Was there a, a, a particular motive for kind of creating that image? <laughs> This is kind of a tangent now, but um, there are three poems that I paraphrased from. Basically, I went on I went on Reddit, like, uh, and I found there was a, a question: "What was the greatest mistake of your life?" I found three compelling stories. I paraphrased them into poems, and that is what the woman speaks throughout the album. So obviously, she speaks at the beginning of "Die Alone." She speaks at the beginning of "Drugs and Love," and she has the whole song of "Phantoms." And basically, the concept of phantoms is 
Um, it's kind of confusing to be honest, but basically the story goes that this this guy's grandmother had a first love who went to war and they argued before he went and she tried to kind of see him before he went. You know, she kind of chased him to, to the train um, and the, the doors shut and she never got to see him again, you know, and, and, and then she lived her life with another partner and then that other partner had died and that's where the you sit on my bed together perched like phantoms now it's the idea of this woman actually having two people watching over her i guess but yeah the handsome even with his back turned that line was basically me just trying to paint this very vivid image of, of a very throwaway kind of detail that she never actually got to say goodbye to this person i guess okay. but yeah that song is very it is a bit meta because it's kind of not relevant to, it's just a really small moment in time that I took and paraphrased into a poem, essentially. Right. I like the fact that you're talking about lyrics as well as poems and, and maybe differentiating slightly between the two. Do you see them as different art forms? Is there, do, you have, do you have a feeling about it? Yeah, great question. And it's interesting because I'll never probably get asked this again, you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, so I think, I think for me, like poetry is... Uh, it's a it's a part of a bigger artistic conversation i guess but like you know the expression or the, the sentiment that you know a painting is never finished you know it's like you know you could always add like a little bit more on onto a painting i view it very similar with poetry whereas like i feel like i wouldn't know when i was done with a poem you know uh whereas with a song i do have parameters that i need to fit within so I can't squeeze any more words in there. You know what I mean? That's, that's the song done. So it, it weirdly is like, I guess it is kind of like, to me, lyrics. Lyrics are poetry, but forced into a shape, I would say. Whereas poetry is free-flowing and having the kind of volition to choose when to finish your poem, I guess that's the kind of bit of poetry that scares me the most because it's just such an objectively open-ended art form, I'd say. That's an incredible way of describing it. I've never, I've never thought about it before, but I love that idea of, of, of music being kind of tightly framed. And, and the idea, that, that really makes sense to me on, a, on, an, on, on an emotional level as well. And on the way, on the reason why we maybe interact with music the way we do, we feel like music is framed in a certain way and it offers us a kind of a, a frame in which we feel like... Safety, I guess, you know, yeah. comfort. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's, it's a good point to make in, in the sense that most music we enjoy, you know, um, whether it's on the radio or in our personal lives, will conform to some sort of comforting <laughs> kind of idea of, of what we perceive as music. And I, and I guess that's I guess that's why, you know, maybe we could talk about like books, you know, in the, in the sense that I guess a book has maybe got um, a structure and a form to abide by. But in terms of, of words and sentence structure and stuff, it's very much free flowing, you know, and I, and I guess, whereas, whereas with music, it's like, it's so understandable. It's really a digestible kind of structure that it's over decades kind of been forced into, you know. Right. That is so could we argue then that the pop song, as whatever you, you want to call it, but just to sort of generalize is, is like a, is a doorway to, to sort of, different art forms i think yeah because uh, ultimately i think art is art you know and and i guess as a listener you you are as compelled as as you feel whether i mean pop music gets heard by billions of people but it's, it's the few millions that enjoy it so much that they want to explore it 
and then from from there on it's up to you how much you want to explore like if you look at me for example uh, uh maroon five songs about jane was one of my first albums i ever listened to and obviously it's just you know one of the best pop albums of, of our generation and then because of that i kind of got into like listening to like band music you know it's not just pop music it's band and then because of band it was rock and then because of rock it was metal because of metal is prog you know and and it's like it's one of those things where like i guess in in regards to and back to art as a whole um there's always another door to open you know and pop is might be the the fire <laughs> but you know if, if you want to go any further in the building <laughs> there's a there's a lot more to explore you know yeah amazing that's great that's great oh let's get to afterlife so afterlife um feels incredibly romantic is romantic would romantic be an appropriate i think word? i think yeah in, in like but in like a sense of comfort i i feel like there's a like an ethereal kind of romance to, to the whole thing i guess okay and uh, so maybe this will take me in the direction of a kind of a deeper understanding you you talk about i know this bridge we built won't last I, having already having now spoken to you about some of the other songs maybe i kind of get a sense of 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 where this conversation might go but maybe not what, what what's what's the what's the bridge i know this bridge we built won't last but it'll hold for at least a while the bridge is 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 you know a metaphor for anything i guess you know in, in the sense that um afterlife is afterlife is, is a song that talks to uh, a past loved one, you know, knowing that they're still with you, you know. Um, my, my BAMP passed away when I was like four and I spent my whole life being told that he was watching over me, you know, and he was always with me and, and he was proud of me and blah, blah, blah. And like that is is very much the sentiment of this song is, is the idea that like someday you'll meet this person again, but like right now they're watching over you um, and now, even though they're not with you anymore, I guess they're, they're always with you, you know, and, and back to the, I know the bridge we built won't last, but it'll hold for at least a while. I guess that lyric is very much a sense of like, whether it's a friendship or whether it's a relationship or whether it's life as a whole, everything comes to an end, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't embrace those things while they exist, you know? Sure. You talk about family members kind of looking down on you. Does, does love have to follow those rules? Of, of mortality or does it just love kind of transcend those rules of mortality i've i spoke about this really in depth in a song called your love is ruined my life where i basically have you ever seen the tv show the oa no oh, dude this it it the first season specifically sounds so down your street it's, okay. it's basically it's basically a crazy mental <laughs> tv show about um love and how it transcends mortal life essentially um but yeah, it's, it's so good. It, it inspired the song Your Love Is Ruined My Life. And basically it, it speaks about love as something that I guess will always exist, you know, because I, I guess lo love is something that exists within us. But that doesn't mean that those, you know, it's, it's like think about all the, the famous figures that still exist in, in life today, whether it was their beliefs or their their lessons or whatever, you know, it's like, those things, I, I think the things we feel in life will always exist, um, and I guess, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it is a bit of a, a big tangent, but it's, it's very much a case of like, if you love something enough, I, I feel like it'll always matter, you know, w regardless of whether you're still with us or not. I suppose. And a more negative song, perhaps. Well, just 
crushed like a bug in circles. This is mm. the lot. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna move you. I won't force you to kind of closely analyze every single lyric on your <laughs> album. Um, but I love the fact that you're talking about metaphors and you're talking about all of these kind of um, techniques that, the, that are, you know the students will really kind of recognize and they'll, they'll they'll see the link so clearly to the stuff they're studying. It's so cool. Crushed like a bug. I just wonder what you imagine being crushed by is such a, it's, 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 it's what, what was the, th did, the, did okay, let me link it to another question because cool. I'm sure you know um, from your own experience that plenty of students will tell you, oh, sir, he, he didn't mean that when he wrote that. He just wrote yeah. it. He just wrote yeah. it. He didn't know we'd be sitting here in a hundred years time like analyzing yeah, dude, it. That and... was my favorite line when I was in school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so tell me, one, what for you, what level of consciousness, sort of on what level of consciousness are you working when you create images like Crush Like a Bug? And then whether it was with foresight or whether it's in retrospect, like what does that image mean to you? Crush like a bug, I'm I think, um, uh, you know, ultimately, a sentence only means as much as our brains can make it mean. And I know that sounds really dumb, but like when I say crushed like a bug, is like that—that that is so vivid and, and blatant, right? You know. But then other lyrics, I'll—I'll I'll use far more ambiguous terminology. But I think you'll feel a certain way. I, it's not like I'm making you feel it. It's just like everything around those words makes you makes you feel it i guess whereas this song so is is very on the nose in that sense you know um like you said under what you know the the lyric is crushed like a bug under the weight of listlessness so the lyric is very much like and then it follows on the bug becomes relevant because this maybe i could have learned how to fly but my wings never sprouted you know and basically that imagery of like the mon mundaneness of of day-to-day -day life you know being something that can actually weigh on you you know this lack of aspiration can actually drag you down in a sense you know and and the maybe i could have learned how to fly but my wings never sprouted it's like you'll always be a, that crushed little bug you know because you'll never try and amount to more and essentially this song is this song is very much of its own kind of space on the record and, and it just does talk about the cyclical nature of life and, and how we as people deserve to do more you know and i as a student, especially, you know, I, I I never reached out of myself. And and fortunately, music gave me something to do with myself, you know. But I, I dread to think what my life would be like right now if I didn't have music, because I'm not the kind of guy who reaches out and tries things, you know. Uh, and, and it's one of my greatest flaws. And, and this song is basically addressing those of us who do go through that kind of ritualistic kind of... Um, uh, schedule of, of life where it's like Monday you do this, Tuesday you do that, blah, 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 blah. People just go on and on in circles. I wake to the sound of the hum of the earth just spinning around, you know. Uh, uh, that imagery of all that goes on in your life is just the silent humming of just life happening in front of you, you know. Like the, the, one, of the, one of the final lyrics is, I live my life inside of this cocoon, just like a flower too afraid to bloom. I live my life inside of this cocoon and I'll die here, you know, and it's this lack of optimism, you know? Um, and I think that song is, is a kind of uh, reverse psychology to, of, of a way of saying, 
do more, be more, become the butterfly. Don't just sit there and, and make up excuses that you don't have wings. Like, you know, like go and achieve more than, more than one person ever should, you know? Lovely. Yeah. I can see it on, I can see that on, you know, <laughs> on, on, on banners. The, the, it's interesting that you touched on that, that flower imagery. What in your, in your lyric videos, there are a lot of flowers in the mm. most recent lyric videos and no more roses. Yeah. Um, what, what does that motif mean for you? What do the flowers kind of symbolize? Is it, yeah. is it significant? Yeah, there's, um, the, the debut album was essentially a, um, a concept album about love, um, from the, the first to the last stages of love. And, and it was a, about a girl called Marigold and we have a song called Marigold. So the flower thing has always seeped into the, to the band on like a visual kind of side of things. I guess by accident or, you know, whatever. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think flowers are, are really beautiful and, and natural, you know, it's like, it's, it's one of these, the, these like intrinsic things that, you know, we live in a world surrounded by such materialistic things, you know, and, and like a lot of it seems, w will seem like obsolete in 10 years time, even, you know, even now when I look back at when the internet first came about, you know, because of the way the technology world is, everything cycles 10 times faster. So everything that's cool now will kind of stop being cool quicker than, than ever before. But I think that's kind of why I, I'm enamored by flowers and back to the religion side of, of, of things, even, even if it is objective. Those are things that have transcended my life. Um, and or, or outlived me and will outlive me because I just think there's, there's, I guess, a sense of timelessness to, to those kind of things, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that really re resonates, doesn't it? Given kind of why we're talking and that, that idea of, 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 of themes and motifs and ideas that run throughout, throughout history. If you were, if you were looking back to school, did you study English? Did you do English? I mean, yeah. So I think to be honest, I, um, I, I was kind of a, a funny student because, you know, I, I'm not very good at uh, maintaining knowledge. You know, I, I, I learn things as I do them. Um, but like if I had to sit and read a book and remember it and then do it in an, S in, in a, uh, an exam, I, you know, I was never the best at that. And I think with English, it's like I just wish I understood what I enjoyed about English more because, you know, I did English literature for A-levels and, um, and and we were looking at books that I just didn't really connect to or relate with, you know, and, and I think in later life, because of music, I've accidentally, you know, like I, I'm working on a book myself right now, you know, and, and I love spending like hours just trying to figure out how to make the sentence look nicer or feel nicer or read nicer. You know, I yeah. really enjoy that side of things. But I think... I just, I just think, yeah, I, I maybe wasn't shown in, in enough of it, I guess, or at least shown the sides of it that I went on to love in school, I guess. Can you remember what texts you studied, A-level? We did Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, um, and we did, like, some Geoffrey Chaucer, but uh, I, <laughs> I feel like my attention waned quite quickly. With, uh, yeah, I wanted to do, I wanted to do uh, uh, English language, um, but it was only lit that was available to me because of the, the kind of, like, you know, uh, you know how it is. Yeah, yeah. like they, they clashed, so I, I basically couldn't do. Yeah, sure. So, um, what's what's the book? What's 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 the book you're working on? Is it a piece of fiction? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I find fiction you know, fiction's probably some my definite preferred lane because when when I write songs, they are kind of fiction like fictitious or something. Yeah, uh, like you know, I guess stories that take from my personal 
experiences, you know? And I always view my songs as like more like characters in books, you know? It's like they exist through my uh, relationship with feelings that I have truly felt, but I'm not that character, you know? Like this song isn't literally about me. It's just about all the things I've felt and I've packaged it in a way that makes it kind of believable in, in a similar way that characters, I guess, in books, you know, you take things that you can empathize with or you can understand and you put them into somebody that you just aren't, you know. Um, but yeah, the book is about, um, it's about space. It's essentially about like a, a colonization on Mars that kind of accidentally segregates itself and then after like a thousand cycles kind of becomes this weird racial kind of um, thing. And then it all comes to a big head when there's like a war between the two. And then, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very Star Wars meets uh, Lord of the Rings, I guess. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Sounds amazing. How far <laughs> through, how, how far through are you? Um, I've, I'm on, I've, I think like, I've got like 50,000 words written, but um, it's very much like 49,000 of those words need <laughs> moving around. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I view a writing very much like, like puzzle kind of work you know it's like i know what i'm trying to say there but i need to move this into that and you know if i until i move that i can't move that there and all this yeah. kind of confusing stuff yeah awesome oh i hope that goes really well thanks man so final final thing uh j just just as you recommended the oa i wonder whether there's other art you would recommend if you if, if, if you're if you're speaking to a fan or a young person what would you encourage them to engage with um yeah it's a huge one in it i'm i'm very much um inspired and and driven by lots of different forms of media as well so you know like i grew up reading comics and i think comic books are actually quite an underrated um i guess kind of source of i mean you know it kind of i i think for me the main thing is the fact that like comics toe the line between like being a book and kind of being like a film you know so you do get actually two different sensations out of comic books and and in my life you know i like watchmen is one of the best you know anythings in the world you know? <laughs> um you know and i've recently started uh, reading um this um really old manga called akira which is is just this brilliant like um i just you know it, it, if anything it was really insightful to me to read a brilliant comic from the early 1980s that was written in japan you know because i'm obviously a, a welsh dude from 40 years in the future like trying to <laughs> trying to understand uh, you know an art form from such an alien land to, to, to 1980 japan you know is like is cool but um i think you know for me it's just anything that you can connect to on an emotional level, whether it's, it's The Last of Us, you know, the brilliant video game or whether, you know, like This Is England is a, a brilliant TV show that I've always really connected with. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I take in a lot of stuff, but all I'd say is comic books are cool. Yeah, it's just, I, I feel like definitely it's worth trying to hunt down a good comic and, and you know, yeah. That feels like the perfect conclusion. I couldn't, I couldn't have like, you couldn't have scripted it better. The idea that you're a, a stranger from the future analyzing an alien art form, because isn't that exactly what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know? that's, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. That is, I'm so grateful to you. That was just such an awesome chat. Dude, and, thanks. That's and, my pleasure, um, man. Yeah. Can't wait to see you in November and to see the stage show and obviously to be back, hopefully in, in real life, touch wood and everything kind yeah. of, it's going to be an explosion, isn't it? The shows are going to be... Dude, it's going to be a just, different level. Yeah, man. And, uh, I'm just like... And, you know, it, it's been a long year already, you know, so I feel like it, by then it's only going to be more cathartic and just awesome. <laughs> but, gonna, uh, but, yeah. You're going to need some uh, lead weights in your in your boots, I think. Like You're going to be like blown away by the kind I of response so. and the excitement. 
I, yeah, man. I think any excitement right now would blow me away. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, uh, it's lovely to meet you, man. It's lovely to chat. And, um, and to you, be honest, Lucas. thank you as well, because like it's nice to be valued as a an artist as much as just a, a guy talking about art if I, or talking about a thing. You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah. I do know what you mean. And and yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you feel like that because that is how you know we feel about. And it. we'll cut it there. Thank you very very much for listening. You'll find loads of lessons inspired by this interview at soundofpen.com. And if you visit the site, you'll find lots of other activities too. If you love Enter Shikari, you'll love our persuasive writing class. If you want to develop your unseen poetry skills, Against the Current will help you out. And if you're reading Romeo and Juliet, well, Taylor Swift knows a thing or two about love. Have a go at the tasks, send us your work, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, see you next time. Take care.